this guy, this, this Messiah dude, whoever he was, I mean, you know, you baptized him. We saw that and we believe that he's the Messiah. But, you know, John, he's baptizing more people than we are. And John had a, he had three choices, I believe, right there. He could have just really just downgraded Jesus or he could have just played it neutral or he could have lifted Jesus on high. Right? He could have downplayed Jesus. Said, oh, don't worry about that. That ain't nothing. We're called to be the, the baptizers in this region. And then, that's nothing. We'll, we'll pick up our, our, our quota. Right? Or he could have took the neutral position and just said, oh, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You know, just keep your eyes on the prize. It's Jesus. It's okay. Right? But what John said to his disciples is, let me tell you something. He is from God. He is the Messiah. I am not. How many times do we need to tell ourselves that we're not the Messiah? Come on. He's the Messiah. He's from God. He's lifted on high. He has to become greater and greater. And John says this, and I have to become less and less. John sets his disciples straight. He says, let me tell you something, guys. I am not shaken by this. In fact, this is the way it's supposed to be. Jesus should have a better reputation than you do. People should know more about Jesus through you than any other place. Amen. We are called to lift Jesus on high and not ourselves. But yet we spend so much time worried about ourselves, right? What we're going to wear, how we look, how does this look? What are people going to think about this? How's this going to go? Well, what's this going to make me look like? How does this sound? If I, if I don't get this, am I going to be cool? (laughs) Right? Am I going to fit in? If I don't have this, but it's not about you fitting in. It's not about you being cool. It's not about you at all. You need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, forget you. Right. I mean, we live in a society now where where the, the next generation has this spirit of entitlement and they just believe that they deserve everything that their parents have at the present moment. And it's all about them. But the problem we got is the older generation can't communicate with the younger generation to tell them that, hey, it's not about you, knucklehead. It's much bigger than you. Right? Because Jesus is more than us. Amen? Where's Jesus now? Right now at this moment. Sitting at the right hand of the Father is what the Bible says. His spirit is here today. Amen. His presence is here today. But he's seated or seating at the right hand of the father. Think about that. So John tells his disciples he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. So how do I become less and Jesus becomes greater? How do we do that? What does that look like? It's it's fine to sit here and preach it and build it up and fluff it up and make it sound great. And you leave it and you go, oh, that was good. But how do we do that? I don't want to leave you hanging today. This process is not a formula. 
I can't give you a formula on how to make Jesus greater in your life. Are you with me? I can't give you a 10 step process to make Jesus greater in your life because I would be shortchanging you in the long run. Amen. We all have our own experience with Jesus, don't we? And it's all different. It has a, has a main running theme in it, but basically all of our relationships with Jesus is different. We all experience Jesus differently. We all came to know Jesus differently, right? He speaks to us differently. It's not when you got your blue jeans on and a white t-shirt and you're on your knees in your closet that Jesus speaks to you. And it works for everybody, right? So I can't give you a 10 step process on how to make Jesus greater in your life. You're just going to have to experience it for yourself. And what a great experience is going to be. You know why? Because you got to die. <laughs> Woohoo! Anybody want to sign up for that? Anybody want to sign up to die and make Jesus greater? It's not a process, it's a journey. Amen? I truly believe that as you mature in Christ, Christ should be, should be seen in your life more and more. Amen? I believe that. I believe that as you mature in Christ, I believe you should never stop maturing in Christ. You heard me say three weeks ago that Jesus or God does not have a retirement plan. If you're not dead, you're not done. Amen, Miss Mary. Miss Mary's my hero. Miss Mary's going to go out swinging. I mean, she's got this little uh, complex in Iota, this little home site thing. And I mean, she tackles people in the, in the laundry room. And I'm going, man, that's why I'm going to be that. I'm going to be like Miss Mary when I get older. You're not dead. You're not done. Right. Take a deep breath. You're not done. So we should we should continue to be maturing in Christ. You should never stop learning something new about Jesus. If you've stopped, then you're walking in pride. <laughs> that felt good, didn't it? <laughs> it's not an A plus B equals C type of deal. It's an experience. It's, an, it's a journey you have to walk on. And listen to me, you're going to fail. Times are going to come around and it's going to be about you again. And when that happens, you just need to, you need to just look at yourself in the mirror and say, forget about you. It's really not about you. I love you, but forget about you. Right? And then you just keep putting it back in place. Putting your life back in order. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. And when you fall, you get back up. That's why you need Christian brothers and sisters around you to help you stand up when you fall. Or to even warn you when you're getting ready to fall. (laughs) But we don't like to listen for that, do we? Oswald Chambers says, never make a principle out of your experience. Let God be as original with other people as he was with you. I mean, us us preachers, we love to give you a 10-step process. I'd love to teach you how Jesus speaks to me. I'd love to teach you how I experience his presence and how I pray and how I read my Bible so that you could experience Jesus just like me. I can want you to wear my shoes as much as I want, but they're not going to fit. Number one, because they're wallowed out. I got these fat feet that just spread out. You might be the same size as me, but they ain't going to fit. Romans 12, 2 says...
conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's, that's one of my memory verses. One of the verses I've memorized in my life is do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, something needs to be changing in your life. You need to constantly be renewing your mind. Amen. We all need a little brainwashing. For those of you that didn't say yes, you really need a brainwashing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, one of the patterns of this world is that it's all about me. It's about me getting to the top of the corporate ladder. It's about me feeling good. It's about me being happy. It's about me having money. It's about me, 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 me. Country singers are singing songs about me, my, myself, and whatever else. You know what I'm saying? People even writing songs about it's all about me, 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 me. If I knew the song better, I'd sing it to you, but I don't. No, don't don't sing that. You shouldn't know that. (laughs) But that's one of the patterns of this world. And the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do you read your Bible? To renew your mind. Amen? To retell yourself how Jesus looks at you. Right? Let me let you know a little secret. You don't see yourself like Jesus sees you. Some of you, in your mind, you're greater than Jesus thinks you are. And for others of you, you're way less than Jesus thinks you are. I think there's very few of us that actually get it right when we think like Jesus thinks about us. Amen? But we have to renew our minds. And as a husband, there's times that Cheryl and I have to look at one another and we got to say, hey, no, mm-mm, you're not thinking like that. I look at my kids from time to time and say, nope, mm-mm, it ain't happening. What? You're not thinking like that. That's a lie. It's a lie from the devil. It's a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. Right? My pastor has to call me sometimes and say, man of God, stop thinking that way. But, but, but this isn't happening the way I wanted. Stop thinking that way. You following me? 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take God's truth and we use that to fight against lies. That's what we demolish lies with is God's truth, with the word of God. That's why it's important to know your Bible. Amen. You need to know your Bible so you can demolish what the enemy's trying to tell you, what all the other people are trying to tell you and what you're even trying to tell yourself. Amen. Sometimes you need to quote scripture to yourself. And don't be foolish and believe that just because you got this, that everything is going to be fine. It's fine. In fact, this is quite opposite. The more I get of this, the worse it gets out there. But we got to have this. This is what we knock the, the lies down with. This is what we destroy the lies of the enemy. This is what we destroy the arguments of the world with. Right? The end of that verse says that we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
It sounds kind of funny, but you need to think about what you're thinking about. Right? You need to think about what you're thinking about. You're like, dang, man. It's hard enough just to think straight. Now I got to think about what I'm thinking about. I'm sorry, but if you don't pay attention to what you're thinking about, you're never going to catch it captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. Right? That's why it's good to have a good relationship with your wife, men, because a lot of times they think differently than you do. And the funny thing is, is that they're usually more accurate than you are. I'm glad you said amen. You'll have peace at home when you get there. That's why it's good to have fellowship with other believers. Right? Sometimes we can't think to take our own thoughts captive. We need other people to say, hey, bro, uh-uh, man, that's weird. No, dude, don't, uh-uh. I believe that's why people sometimes just get so religious. Right? It's because they don't share with other people. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. Jesus is my Lord. And that's all they say. And you go, come on, man. I believe that, but tell me something about you. Right? I love it when people come and tell me I'm weird. I don't want to be weird. I need to take my thoughts captive and bring them to the obedience of Christ. Is this how Christ thinks right now? Is this a Christ-like thought? And if it is, man, push on with it. If it's not, destroy it. Put it down. Get rid of it. It's dirt. It's filth. It's of the devil. Amen? In most cases, when I find myself whining, it's not a Christ-like thought. (laughs) Nobody else whines, do they? Watch this. The way we think affects the way we feel. And the way we feel affects the way we behave. Isn't that good? Where does it all start at? In your mind. That's why we need to renew our mind. Margaret Thatcher said this, watch your thoughts for they become words. Watch your words for they become actions. Watch your actions for they become habits. Watch your habits for they become your character and watch your character for it will become your destiny. Wow. Isn't that good? So how do I renew my mind? You read God's word, right? You meditate on his word. You hide his word in your heart. The Bible says that your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? So number one, let me give you this little, this little pointer on how to renew your mind. Renewing my mind involves spending time with God. You want to know what's funny is when my, my, my son's out of school, he's summertime, just like yours is, and, and he's, he's acting real manly right now, okay? He's, he's around his daddy most of the time. This summer's just been a great summer for him and I, and, and we work together and, and spend 12, 14 hours a day, and he just, he's been in my hip pocket the whole summer and wanted to be there. I didn't have to make him. And it just blesses the mess out of me because my son wants to be with his daddy. That's something I never had with my daddy. And so, man, he's acting different. All right? He walks around with his chest out a little bit. 
In fact, I sent out a video yesterday where he shot a snake and I, I scanned over and he's got a shotgun with no shirt on. The brother needs a shirt. And he's got no shirt on. He's in tennis shoes and short pants and he just killed a copperhead. And I was like, that's my boy. <laughs> well, at least he killed the snake. I mean, that's all that matters. But he's, he's acting different. You follow me? He got in trouble the other day. He got home and he spilled some tea and he was commanding his sisters to clean up the tea because men don't do housework. <laughs> Let me tell you how that flew by his mama. I knew I didn't need to say anything on the front side. I needed to come in on the back side and do a little recovery because his mama was going to tear him up. And Cheryl pulls up. She was at the store and I was out working in the yard and they were calling her on the phone. I didn't know none of this was going on. She pulls up and she catches him and she grabs his ear and she's, whew. All I know, I don't know what she said, but all I know when it was said and done, it was, his bobbin was out and he had a few little tears in his eyes and he was ready to clean up anything mama wanted him to clean up. But he talks different this summer. He's, hey, dad, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you got a little more grit in this voice. But I know what's going to happen when school starts. He's got some little buddies at school and I just, I, it burns me, okay? Pray for me. It burns me. But he'll come back and he starts talking like a girl. <laughs> Sounds like he got a little sugar in his tank, okay? I'm like, son, you don't talk like that. Talk like a man. I mean, just, whoa. Can't stand no boy talking like a girl. It just don't work. But I know what's going to happen. But what my point is that when you get around people, you act like people. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know, that's not just for believers. I said that's not just for believers. That's for unbelievers alike. My boy can go to school and act like his little buddies. But when he gets home, he knows he better stop. But he's influenced by that. Right? And so we also get influenced by the people we hang out with. Right? And if we're not careful, if you've got some weaknesses or some insecurities in your life, you'll get around people and you'll, you'll morph over and become just like them. Come on, when you get around complaining people, what's the temptation? To complain. You get around happy people. What's the temptation? To tell them to shut up. No. <laughs> but you become a little more up. You get around positive people. You start feeling a little more positive. You get around energetic people. What do you feel like? You're tired because you had more energy than you ever had before. So we got to be careful. Now, it's not our fault, but we, we work in the world and we work for, for worldly employees at times. Right. And if we're not careful, we'll take on the pattern that they give us. When we were never intended to transform to the world, but to transform to the kingdom. You see, we're supposed to be the bacteria or the thing that's affecting the world. We should be spreading like a bad cold or a flu. Amen? That's what should be happening. We should be influencing the people around us, no matter their position. It doesn't matter if they got four times the amount of money as you do and four times more stroke than you do. You get in there and you serve them and you love them and you speak the truth and you stand your ground in Christ. God will change their heart. He will. You don't have to bend. You don't have to conform. 
Be who God's called you to be. How do you get that? By spending time with him. You got to spend time with your maker. You got to spend time with Jesus. You got to spend time in prayer and in your word. In his word, you got to spend time in that. You know what my struggle is? It's keeping this the priority. That's hard, man. Let me tell you something. That's hard. Right? I mean, it's hard to, to get up early in the morning and spend time in the Word when I know that early in the morning is the coolest time of the day to get out and work. Right? So sometimes I'll choose to go out and work instead of getting in the Word. Can I just be real with you this morning? Be influenced by the presence of God. How do you renew your mind? You spend time with Jesus. You getting something yet? So renewing my mind involves spending time with God. Listen, the more time you spend with God, the more you become like God. Right? I'm not sorry, but you can't memorize this word. You can't just bury it in your heart and be obedient to it and not see something change in your life. Number two, renewing my mind involves daily, your favorite word, obedience. To renew your mind, it involves daily obedience. Man, pastor, we got to obey daily? There's something to obey daily? I didn't know that. You must not be reading the word. What has God told you to do last and have you done it? Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. We have to obey. Got a great quote right here. It says, My closeness to God can be measured by the time it takes from his command to my obedience. Somebody should have went, Shaw. My closeness to God can be measured by the time it takes me to obey his command. Poor Yah. He's called us to obey. But man, when he calls us to obey, does it always feel like something we want to do? Is it usually what we had planned? Does it usually feel good? Not going into it, it doesn't. Right? I tell you what I'm starting to love is I'm starting to love the feeling or the rush I get after I obey God. I'm starting to to get addicted to the the fact that when I go his direction instead of mine, I see where mine would have led me to and I see where his has me and I go, wow. I don't know about you, but I want to be better at obeying. I want to be better. 
Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. <laughs> how, many ever, how, many, how many of you ever just kind of delayed God? Come on. Let's just get real this morning. God tells you to do something or you read something in his word and it commands you to do something. And you just kind of go, well, I need to pray about that. Uh, I need to call a few friends over and we have a Bible study about that. And figure out this is really, really, really what he means. You ever done that before? It's kind of like telling your kids to go clean your room. And they go, Dad, you know, I, I hear you. And, and I'm really, really thinking hard about what you said. And you know what? I'm going to call a few of my friends over and we're going to have a little Bible study about what you said about cleaning my room. And we're going to see if you're right. And if you're right, Dad, oh, I'm going to clean my room. Right? And two hours later, he still ain't cleaned the room. And what's his excuse? Well, my friends didn't come over to pray with me. I've learned in my life that delayed obedience gives room for the enemy to come in and bring a distraction. Right? Sometimes you got to drop what you're doing and obey what God says to do. Remember one time I was out working in a field and getting ready to pour some concrete and I'm, I'm out there and man, I'm just, I got my time schedule in my head. I got all these things, all my plans for the day. We got to, we got to meet this goal at the end of the day. I was driven. I'm going after it and I got a hammer in my hand and I'm driving stakes and my phone started ringing and it was my wife's aunt. And I, I she usually only calls me when she needs to pray for somebody or, or if there's something going on. And so I pick my phone up and I go, ah, ain't got time for that. And I keep hammering. All of a sudden, I miss the stake, and I square myself off right in the shin with this hammer. I'm not talking about a carpenter. I'm talking about a sledgehammer. I thought I broke it. And I'm a baby when it comes to shins. I shouldn't let you know that. But I hit that thing. I was ah, dear Jesus, ah, trying not to cuss. And I went sat down, and I was like, God, man, what's up with that? Man. I'm feeling sorry for myself and my phone rings again. And it's her again. I'm going, God, don't you know I'm hurt? And the Holy Spirit goes, are you going to answer? I wanted to say, is that why I hit myself? <laughs> and so I answered the phone. And it was something she was going through with somebody else in our family. And I was able to pray for her and encourage her. And she made the right decision going out of that. Right? Sometimes you got to stop what you're doing to be obedient to God. I'm not saying he's going to hit you with a sledgehammer. That's just how he deals with me. Remember, this is not a, this is not a, a program. This is not a step-by-step. Step. If you don't listen to God, he's going to hit you with a sledgehammer, but he might. Don't take it for granted. Sometimes we have to preach to ourselves. Right? People tell you you're insane if you talk to yourself. No, you're insane if you answer yourself. Just remember that. You need to talk to yourself. You need to speak to the enemy. Don't spend too much time with him. Just tell him what he needs to do and go on about your business. Amen? Sometimes your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak, and you just need to say, forget you, flesh. We're going to do this. 
Man, that's a hard one, isn't it? You don't want to you don't want to fight for your marriage. Sometimes you get tired of fighting for your marriage and you go, ah, I'm done with this. I've had enough of this. Sometimes you need to look in the mirror and say, forget you. God's going to be glorified through our marriage. God's going to be glorified through us working out the issues in our marriage. Let's go. Because we put a lot of pressure on other people to encourage us, don't we? Don't we? I'm setting you up. You just need to shake your head. Yes. We put a lot of pressure on people to encourage us and to fix us, right? Y'all do a lot of that to me. You see how I set you up? But let me tell you something. I am not going to always be there. I was dealing with a guy one time. He was, he was struggling with a crack addiction. And he came to church, prayed for him, and believed that he got delivered. And said, man, listen, when you get tempted, when you leave here and you're tempted, yeah, I know your dealer's going to call this afternoon. When you're tempted, I said, call me. And I'll encourage you. I said, but remember this one thing. If I don't answer, you better call Jesus. You with me? You better call on Jesus. You can try to call me, but you better make sure you call Jesus before you call a crack man. Amen. Sometimes we have to encourage ourselves. There's a verse in the Bible in John chapter three. I want to close with this verse. Verse 14. And it says this, it says, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Moses lifted up this rod with this bronze snake on it for everyone to see. You see the image? He held it up so that everyone could see. If he kept it here, not everybody could see. He lifted it up. Are you with me? You get in this picture. And Jesus says this in his word. He says, if you will lift me up, then everyone can come to Christ. Come on. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. If I be lifted up, then everyone gets a chance at eternity. What is our job? To lift Jesus high. Amen? To lift him high. That means when you fail, you get back up and you give him the glory. When you succeed, you give him the glory. Amen? When you're melancholy, you give him the glory. We need to be lifting Jesus on high so that all men can come to him and have eternal life. That means in your workplace. That means at your family reunion. That means, first of all, in your house. Do your kids know that Jesus is the king of your life? Do you see your kids pattern what you do when they go through hard things? Do do your kids learn about forgiveness when they see you forgive your wife or your wife forgive you or you ask them to forgive you? Are your kids learning about Jesus through you? 
is the rest of your family learning about Jesus through you. It's not always what you preach. It's more about what you live. Right? I truly believe this world has turned a deaf ear to the preaching of God's word. Doesn't mean that it's powerless. Doesn't mean that it's anything less. It just means that they've, they've hardened their hearts to preaching in God's word. But the one thing they can't harden their heart to is a person living like Jesus. Because they're going to see it. They're going to feel it. They're going to experience it. Amen. Can you stand up with me this morning? I just want you to take this moment right now in, in this attitude that we have right here. If you need to repent, I just want you to just repent. Just, just ask God to forgive you. Confess him. Confess to him that, that it's been more about you. You're not going to take him by surprise. He already knows it. But it's going to do a lot to your spirit when you do it. And it's going to do a lot to your flesh when you do it. Father, would you forgive us? For being selfish. Forgive us for making other things so important that you and your kingdom seem to fade away until Sunday and we lift you back up. But Lord, we know that Sunday just needs to be an overflow of what's happened during the week. Father, we want to lift you high. I believe that for everyone here today, Lord, we want to lift you high. Just as Moses lifted that, that rod with that bronze snake on it, Jesus, we want to lift you high so that all can see, so that all can hear and taste and feel the goodness of God. Lord, help us to be a lifting church, a people that lift you high everywhere we go, Lord. When we fail, Lord, help us to get back up. Help us to build relationships in this church, Lord, where we can open up the doors to other people and say, hey, when you see me falling, when you see it becoming about me, help me, say something, whisper in my ear, nudge me, something. Help us to be those kinds of people, Father. Because it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about us. So we thank you, Lord being so good to us. You've saved us. You've set us free. You've given us a new life. You've brought us from spiritual death into spiritual life. And you've set our feet upon a rock and we live this abundant life that you've given us. And we enjoy the pleasure and the favor of you, oh God. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name.